to a lecture presented by the Syracuse, New members of the Syracuse, New York class. My name is Sharon Welch and I'll be your moderator for this class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other certain foreign countries. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. And the Dean of the Syracuse class is Dr. Patrick Trevison. <clears throat> in this school, we teach by the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to read. Lord, the true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And for the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many, that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. Minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that has produced a sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah and proper renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is the title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in that state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh symbolized on, this, on the chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have the cloud painted all around the Moses chart to show you that everything on the, on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in the pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son. 
a super incorporeal being that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, the self-same spirit manifested himself and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness. The tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. It's the three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our 10 <clears throat> primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without the distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. <clears throat> Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth, is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification and the new word state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. This time I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer by a Dr. Tony Pagano, and that'll be followed by a scripture reading, which is 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Kathy Hughes, and Dr. Reba Sahar is also a reader tonight. Dr. Pagano. Um, let us all bow our hearts and minds and just thank Yashua for allowing us to be here tonight and participate um 
I pray that we are all able to learn something and take something away um, that we can use to help us learn, know, and understand something about our creator. And with that, let us all say hallelujah. 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 Scripture reading will be 2 Thessalonians 2nd chapter. I'll be reading from a King James version of the Bible and inserting the true and correct names where necessary. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Yahshua is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there shall come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called Yahweh, or that is worshiped. So he, as Elohim, sits in the temple of Yahweh, showing himself that he is Yahweh. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom Yahshua shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, Yahweh shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahweh for you, brethren, beloved of Yahweh, because Yahweh has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or epistle. Now our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah himself, and Yahweh, even our Father, which has loved us, and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Second Thessalonians 2. Hallelujah.
Sharon? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was muted. Um, thank you for um, the prayer, Dr. Picano, and the scripture, Dr. Hughes. I'd like to thank everyone that has joined us on um, the Zoom and also those that are viewing us on YouTube. We will have a three-speaker format this evening. And for our first speaker, it's a pleasure to call on Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Thank you. Good evening and afternoon to everyone. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, man, it's hot here. <laughs> yes, it is. It's hot just about everywhere, folks, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'd like to work maybe a little bit with the scripture if it's uh, okay. One of the things we just read was about uh, something that's referred to in the Bible as a, a delusion. Um, I don't know if it's Greg or who it is that's uh, working with the charts, but uh, if you could give me the chart that the Ayer Asher Aya chart. Okay, now that right there is a uh, is a picture of the uh, two mysteries that Yahweh has set in motion and has operating in his purpose. Now, one of them, if you look up at the very top of the mystery of righteousness, it says that it's a revelation. Mm -hmm. Am I reading that right? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. And at the uh, other mystery, the mystery of iniquity, it says delusion. Now, Folks, it shouldn't be that difficult for us to understand that um, delusionary thinking is really, really prevalent in the world today. I mean, it's out there for everyone to see because you've got a lot of people just from a natural standpoint that um, are believing a lie. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, in the news, and it's all over the place. Now, it talks about, let's see, what was the verse you read, Kath, about he gave us the love of the truth? Oh, okay. Now, these uh, individuals or yeah, these people that are have, uh, actually, it would be better if you read it. Second Thessalonians 2.10. That's it. Please. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You For see, this folks, cause. That's okay, Kath. Um, we have received the love of the truth, folks. Mm -hmm. And that is an incredible blessing. Because there are people, and we've seen it manifest our whole lives, and I'm just talking about from a natural standpoint. Have you ever had an experience where you tried to tell somebody the truth and 
They didn't like it. They didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't want to know it. We've seen that manifested in many places in the world. Now, before we came into this class, I think we would all have to admit that we were ignorant of our creator and of his Messiah. Mm -hmm. I'll speak for myself on this. I knew nothing about Yahweh. Now, I went to, uh, in my religious upbringing, I was raised a, a, a Jew. And what's interesting about that is that I never heard the name Yahweh once mentioned in any of my academic studies. Not even once. It wasn't like somebody said, hey, did you know God's name was Yahweh, but you're not supposed to say it? No, they didn't say that to me. They just referred to and taught me from the cradle up that every time you see that four letters in Hebrew, which are in English, they're Y-H-W-H, or referred to as the Tetragrammaton, Every time you come across that in Hebrew, you read it as Adonai. Now, I knew how to read Hebrew. I still do a little bit. But for the most part, unless it's a basic word like boy, girl, mother, father, I don't know what the heck I'm reading. I don't know what the words mean. And when I was being raised in, the, in Judaism, I was taught that every time I came across that tetragrammation to read it as Adonai, and I never questioned it. But there's nowhere in the Bible where you'll ever read where Yahweh thinks that his name is not important or that you shouldn't know it. If you could read for me Isaiah, and Kath, you're going to have to help me with this, or the scripture reader will have to help me where my people shall know I think it's Isaiah 52 and 8. Does that sound right? In other words, Yahweh wants you to know his name, folks, and he wants you to adhere to it. Isaiah 52, I'm going to start at 5 and it's 6. Okay. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith Yahweh, that my people is taken away for naught? They, they that rule over them, make them to howl, saith Yahweh, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Mm -hmm. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know that in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. Now, it's, that's in the Old Testament of, of the Bible, isn't it? The, or what yep. we refer, what's referred to as the scriptures. That's right. It, Interesting. I never, and I read Isaiah somewhere along the line, I'm sure, because in my religion, they never told us to go to the new so-called New Testament. Matter of fact, that was basically verbot verboten. In other words, it's of no consequence, so don't bother reading it was their basic attitude. But nowhere in the scriptures did I ever read anything that was that clear where he said, my people shall know my name. And yes. I never even heard the name of Yahweh in all my few years that I spent in Hebrew school. Never heard it once. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Now, the name Yahweh was first revealed unto Moses at the burning bush. And he had to take that name and go down to the children of Israel who were in bondage in Egypt and tell them that Yahweh has, re has appeared unto me. And he wanted the children of Israel to know his name. And he made a commandment about his name, that you shall not take it in vain. Now, as far as I knew, taking the name of God in vain was saying, God damn, when you hit your finger with a hammer or something like that. I didn't, I never really, you know, went into depth about what does that mean to take God's name in vain. But what never occurred to me is I didn't know his name in the first place to take it in vain. Mm-hmm. In other words, they never taught me that this is his name. Never, not once. And not only did I not know his name, I didn't know anything about him. And that's why I imagined him to be this great white-bearded old uh, man sitting up above the sun, moon, and stars. I, all I had was an imagination about God. Didn't know anything about him, didn't give it much thought, and didn't think that I could know anything about God. Never really dawned on me that Yahweh has made himself manifest in his creation, and he wants you to know him. Never dawned on me for a minute. Now, if you want to keep somebody ignorant, just keep them in darkness about about you, don't tell them anything or tell them something that isn't right and throw them off the track. In my case, I didn't, I wasn't told the truth. I didn't know it. I couldn't worship Yahweh in spirit and in truth because I didn't know anything about him until I came down to one of these classes. And that's when my eyes began to be opened up to what and who Yahweh was and how that he had a purpose and he had a plan of salvation and that he wanted you to know him and that you don't read half the Bible and think that you're going to get a clear picture of the creator by reading, it's like going to a movie and seeing half of it, and then someone asks you about it, and you tell them all about the movie, all about the, the, the plot and everything else, only you've only seen half of it. It's ridiculous. But the people that taught me, you know, it's like I can't teach someone. It's not possible for me to teach someone about auto mechanics. It's an impossibility. Why? Because I don't know anything about it. So if I was going to teach you something about it, I would have no choice. If I claimed to try to teach you something about it, I'd have to make something up. Because I don't know anything to tell you. And the reason why I'm mentioning, it, mentioning that is that the people that taught me, they didn't know themselves. You can't teach somebody or tell somebody something that you're not privy to, that you don't know. Yahweh has opened up himself, folks, to us 
and revealed himself to us and showed us what he's like, what he, what he wants from us, what he desires of us as being creatures of his or offspring of his creation. And it's quite clear after having come into one of these classes, not only that he's revealed himself to us, but that he wants us to know. Now, I'm going to skip over, if I might, to John, the 17th chapter and the third verse, because, see, in, in the religion I was raised in, they didn't teach me anything about the so-called Jesus. To them, the Messiah hasn't come yet. That was true back in 1960 or 59, whenever I went to Hebrew school, the years that I was trained in, in that. And it's still true. The Jews to this day teach that their Messiah has not come yet. Mm -hmm. Now, that's in direct conflict, folks, to what we're teaching now and what's right. been revealed to us. What's been revealed to us is that Yahshua the Messiah is here, folks, right now. He's that's right. manifested, his spirit is manifested in our hearts and in our minds. And we are not, we can't claim ignorance, nor do we want to. Because now it is clear to us, and it's becoming clearer and clearer all the time, just who Yahweh is and what he is capable of, folks. Because we're talking about a spirit that has great power. And this gospel that we're preaching down here has the ability to save a man's soul and to change his nature. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thing when you think mm -hmm. about it. That was what I thought. Well, I didn't think this when I was a kid, but you would think that if you were going through some kind of religious training, that it would do something for you. Mm -hmm. The only thing it did for me is make me want to get out of there. When is recess? Because I wasn't learning anything. They weren't teaching me anything, and I wasn't motivated to learn any more of nothing. It didn't do anything for me. It didn't fulfill, as we would <laughs> use the word, it didn't fulfill anything in me. And I'm so glad that Yahweh pulled me out of ignorance and showed me something about himself, something definite and for sure, as the founder said, that's clear and concrete, folks, that can be proven. Mm -hmm. These days, having something proven to you, you can see that it's, a, it's remarkable when somebody accepts the proof. Yeah. It is. It's truly a remarkable thing because... First of all, when you don't have a love of the truth, you're subject to being deceived. Mm -hmm. Now, all of us were deceived. It says in, in our book that the devil deceived the whole world. We were part of that world. We still are part of the world. But we're not deceived, folks, anymore. We were fooled. We thought God was up above sun, moon, and stars. We thought God wanted us to do all these things in order for him to manifest his love and mercy towards us. 
that we had to earn it. And we come to find out, being in this class, that you cannot earn your salvation, folks. It's given to you as a gift, a free gift. You can't do anything to earn it. It's by grace. The only time I ever heard the word grace, by the way, in all my Hebrew academia was at the dinner table. Does yeah. somebody want to say grace? That's all it meant to me was, oh, it's time for a prayer before we eat, which was only uh, once in a great while. We didn't say a prayer every time we ate. We wouldn't have known what to say anyways. But I'm just so thankful that I've been shown a much better way because I didn't, not only did I not know anything about my creator before I came down to one of these classes, but I can say I knew that I needed help. Oh, yes. I, I knew I needed help as a 17 or 18-year-old kid who was uh, just fresh out of high school, not knowing, quote, what he was going to do with his life when somebody invited me to come down to one of these classes mm -hmm. right. and, and partake of this. For the most part, I didn't. You know, I was just going about my business being a kid, being a, a, a rowdy teenager. But I reached a point where Yahweh had me in a position where I was asking for Jesus to help me. Now, trust me, folks, that's a very, very unlikely thing for a little Jewish boy to be running around saying to himself, Jesus, help me. Mm -hmm. But I was desperate for mm -hmm. help. And Yahweh's timing, which is always, he knows what he's doing, had somebody invite me to one of these classes. And that's when my eyes began to be opened up to the fact that, yes, in fact, you can know something about Yahweh. He wants you to know something about him. And read John 17 and 3. I know you've been holding that. John 17 and 3, and this mm -hmm. is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Now, that's the one that the Jews would have referred to as Jesus, but right away, they wouldn't have read John 17 and 3, because they put no credence in anything that Jesus said. Really, they don't. As far as they're concerned, Jesus was, he was a nice fella. You know, <laughs> he was a wonderful teacher, but he wasn't the Messiah. And if he said that eternal life was knowing something about your creator and about him, they wouldn't, if they had read it, they wouldn't have placed any stock in it to begin with. Because as far as they were concerned, he was not the one that all the scriptures foretold about that the Jews had been looking for for thousands of years. He wasn't the one. That's what they say. Now, I had to come down and sit in one of these classes to learn something about the one who really is, folks, the Messiah. He is the deliverer. He's the one that is able to change you're in my nature from a damnable 
carnal mind to someone who has been enlightened to the truth and who loves the truth. In other words, give me more. I want to hear more. I want to know more. Now, that's a blessing, folks, that comes from Yahweh, that you would have that kind of an attitude. John 17 and 3 read that this is life eternal. Now, when I was a young kid, I didn't give eternal life much of a thought, folks. I got to be honest with you. I didn't think about it. Somebody had said to me, what's eternal life? I would have said, what do you, I don't know what you're asking me. What's eternal life? But everlasting life, folks, is one of, one of the things that is of a tremendous benefit that we have received by being in this class and learning something about our creator. That is a benefit, folks, to have everlasting life and not like the life that we live in this world where there's pain and agony and confusion and all kinds of misery. No, that's not the kind of eternal life that Yahshua said we would have with him. This is life eternal that they might know thee, Yahshua said. The only true God or Elohim or Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah whom Yahweh has sent. And I can say that it's been of a great benefit to be a part of this teaching and to know something about my maker and to have confidence in him that he has the ability to save us, folks. He's the one that's doing the saving. We cannot save ourselves. He's the savior, Yahshua. Now, can you read, Kath, by the way, in Second uh, Thessalonians again? All deceivableness of unrighteousness is in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, folks, that's a real benefit to have been a recipient of the love of the truth because what comes as a result of that is salvation. That's what we're reading. That's what it says. And read 10 again, Kath, if you're there, whoever's reading. In 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2.10. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I was muted. No, that, that's and with all, right. all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because mm -hmm. they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see how the benefit of receiving the love of the truth is salvation comes as a result of loving the truth. Now, Yahshua, the Messiah himself said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And for us to believe in that truth and to love that truth, folks, the result of that is the salvation of our souls. And that is such a blessing that it's, it's hard to even put in, into words. But keep on reading, Kath. Mm -hmm. And for this cause, Yahweh shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, hold it right there. Okay. 
Now, I didn't know anything about a delusion or what delusion meant until I started coming down to these classes. That was not a word that I used uh, very often in my vocabulary. Like, how are you today? Are you having a nice delusion? That was just <laughs> not a word that was I used or knew that much about or anything about, quite, quite frankly. But a delusion, folks, really is nothing more. <laughs> I say nothing more. It's a big deal, all right. But it's a false belief. It's a false understanding of, in fact, does anybody have a dictionary? It's, it's worth reading because delusions are commonplace now, folks. And with, the, with man's imagination, a delusion can go just about anywhere and be successful. Yeah, really. Because delusionary thinking is not a new concept. It was new to me. But see, one is a revelation. The vision is a revelation to one and a delusion to the other. And a delusion is nothing more. But here, there's a key thing about being deluded. That's not a compliment when somebody says, you know, he's a, he's, he's a, delu a deluded fellow, you know? Because when you're deluded, read it, Kath, or whoever. Delusion has it. in mm -hmm. psychiatry, a false fixed belief held uh -huh. in spite of evidence to the contrary that's that's what i wanted right there see a false belief read, read that again kath please. a false fixed belief fixed held well, in spite of evidence to the contrary that's the key right there that even with the evidence it's still to the person that has the delusion, even though they there's evidence to the contrary, still believes the delusion. Mm -hmm. In other words, still believes the false idea or false rhetoric or however you want to call it, even though there's evidence to the contrary. Delusion implies an inability to distinguish between what is real and what only seems to be real. Now, that, that, folks, is another way of saying that that dude, whoever that may be, is pretty winged out, for lack of a better, lack of a better definition. Someone that, read it again, Reeb. Delusion implies an inability to distinguish between what is real and what only seems to be real. Mm -hmm. See how you have to be given a love of the truth? You just don't naturally have that. It's your inclination to believe something that isn't true. That's right. To believe something that isn't right. That's why we never had a right thought about our creator ever before we entered into one of these classes. In other words, folks, we were all deluded and we were all deceived. And at that time, we were not capable. Doesn't it say you didn't have the ability, Reba? Didn't you just read that? That someone that's, or a delusion is to, read it one more time, 
Delusion implies an inability to distinguish between what is real and what only seems to be real. Now, I'm going to ask you this, folks, and this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer this. But did any of us have that ability before we came into class? We didn't show an ability for that. We didn't even have the ability to know. <laughs> I know when I say this, it could be misunderstood, but spiritually, right from wrong. And by the way, not knowing right from wrong has other terminology, which right, is not so nice, but it's true. <laughs> People that, from a legal standpoint, that don't know the difference between right and wrong are labeled insane from a legal standpoint. They mm -hmm. don't know the difference between right and wrong. Now, I, I don't want to get too technical. I'm not a psychiatrist, and I'm not trying to get into psychiatry. I'm just trying to explain that there's a difference between a delusion or a false belief and a revelation, which is the truth of the matter. And we have been given a revelation in this class, folks. We've been given a vision and a revelation. That's what the founder had. Don't forget when he had the vision of this, of Yahweh in 1931, he claimed to have had a vision from the creator. When he had that vision, he didn't even understood what it meant until he had been given the revelation, folks. And we have been given a revelation of the truth. And we are blessed beyond anything that words could ever say. We're, we've been blessed, folks, that Yahweh spared us and picked us out and had... Sh and why did he do that with the Jews back there? Why did he pick the nation of the Jews to uh, reveal his purpose to and work with? But because they were such nice people? Oh, some would say because they were the chosen people. I don't know why I'm using this ridiculous accent. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but Yahweh just simply had mercy on Israel, folks, just like he's having mercy on us. He chose them not because, and he tells them why he chose them, not because they were the, the greatest in number. They were the fewest in number. Not that there was anything great about them, but he was using them as a typical people. And he was showing something about his purpose that he had the ability to just choose whom he will. And as he said himself, I will, you wonder why Yahweh has chosen you? Have you ever wondered that, folks, since you've been in the class? Why me? And why not my neighbor next to me that's sitting right next to me or that's you know, that my, my, my neighbor down the street, you know what the answer is? Because he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and whom I harden, I harden. Just like he told Moses that what he was going to do with Pharaoh. He said, I'm going to harden his heart, folks. And you wouldn't want Yahweh to harden yours or my heart. 
In fact, it even says in the scriptures, the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He's the one that's doing it, though, folks. He's the one that's saving us, and it's through his mercy, not because of anything we did. Now, also in the scripture today, we read that from the beginning, Yahweh chose us. Do you know exactly my... Uh... Oh, here's my Bible. Um, trying to remember where that verse is, if anybody has it. It talks about how that he chose us. Uh, I know where it is. It's verse 12. It's verse um, 13. Thank you, Kathy. So, uh, I'll read it. Second okay. Thessalonians 2.13. Actually, you read it. Go ahead. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahweh for you, brethren, beloved of Yahshua, because Yahweh has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Folks, isn't that something that he chose us from the beginning? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he chose us last Thursday, by the Five way. Five minutes, Dr. Geller. Thank you. Bye. That choice, as it were, was made within the realm of eternity, folks. That's right. Back before there was such a thing as time. Yahweh chose us, folks, back then. So we're blessed. And there's nothing we can do to earn Yahweh's love. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never had children, but I've been told that parents for their children have what's called uncond unconditional love. In other mm -hmm. words, there's nothing the child can do that will cause the parent to turn around and hate them now instead of love them, which they did from the cradle up it's instinctual it's what is referred to on that green chart as philoprogenitiveness a love right. an inherited love of offspring what did you do to, do to earn your parents love or your mates love you know what i mean it's something that you can't earn in fact Grace cannot be earned. It's unmerited favor. Unmerited means you didn't do anything to earn it. Uh, I just hope that this, you know, I hope that I kept what I, uh, my testimony was somewhat edifying to you. You know, you always think to yourself, geez, I, I could have done better. I wish that I'd broken this down or broken that down but you're you're gonna say whatever Yahweh wants you to say mm -hmm. and you know I'm not taking anything back I just hope that it wasn't abstract because there's so much folks to this teaching and I don't want anyone to get the idea that this teaching is is so complex if it was complex or difficult it wouldn't be for me folks because I'm not a a complex kind of a guy. I like things kept simple. And this truly is simple. I mean, do you get any more simple than one, two, three? I just hope that that it was broken down in such a way because there's so much in in this scripture reading about the truth and about a delusion that I feel like I could go on and on and on, but we have limited time. 
I'm just glad that Yahweh gave me some knowledge and understanding of himself so that I can, I do have a testimony. I do have something to say because Yahweh has shown me something. I'm grateful for that. I hope to, that he continues to keep me humble and open to the truth and to never uh, close my mind to the truth. Because I recognize after having been in class these many years that it can be easy sometimes, folks. And I think you'd all agree with this. It's easy sometimes to lie to yourself. And that's not something that I want to be found doing ever, but especially now when it's so important to be a recipient of the truth and to understand the truth and to love it. And so the more you learn about Yahweh, I would have to say the more you love him, he is definitely worthy of our love. And I, I appreciate the, the uh, time to have something to say to you, and I will pass it on to the next speaker. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dr. Geller. And for our next speaker, I'd like to call on Dr. Scott Miller from our Syracuse, New York class. Dr. Miller. Good evening, everybody, and afternoon. Good evening. Hope you can hear me okay. Um, I yes. uh, uh, very much enjoyed the comments of the previous speaker. Um, it's always a powerful witness when you have someone come out of different religions and growing up in Judaism, where they teach that the Messiah is, Yahshua is not the Messiah. You know, we've come to find out that yes, he was the Messiah and there wasn't any J, there was no Jesus. And see, that's one of the many lies that um, Satan has allowed us to believe um, because he's not in the sky, just like God wasn't in the sky. We thought God, I thought God was in the sky and I thought Satan was, if he was real, I wasn't even sure before class if I believed in him. But the depictions of him certainly weren't as it's as he was really depicted in the scriptures, but as something red or with horns, something, you know, something that would be scary. Um, I think there was one movie in Hollywood like called like Bedazzled, where the mystery of iniquity was Satan was Elizabeth Hurley as a beautiful, you know, bringing out that the idea of deception, as Bruce talked about. Um, and, and delusion where people are not able to and we're seeing that now in, in a lot of politics where and despite of all proof of, of the election not being tampered with or not being um, altered in any way and that it was true that people still are under delusion that it might have been false contrary to any evidence any court evidence, any, you know, if there's 40 court cases lost or um, any people in, in the administration that says that the election was legitimate, that people still, contrary to all proof, believe that otherwise. 
And you can't change their mind because they were sent a strong delusion. And we were all sent that way with about how these two mysteries work. Um, so let's, let's uh, guess start in scripture. And work with some of this. Start at one. Sure. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of the Messiah is at hand. Right. And my margin says at hand means it had come. Hmm. And we know that this is written after Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So that the day, or like was talked about in the Tampa um, symposium, about how the kingdom, the kingdom had come. Mm -hmm. It's the same in the day as referring to that eternal day. And the scripture also picks up the end, too, about that day of judgment. But the kingdom is already here because Yahshua went through the death, burial, resurrection, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit That's on the right. day of Pentecost and put his spirit in the hearts and minds of men. And that was foretold, as has been previously said, that how this was set up from the beginning. Um, if you want to read verse 13 again in the scripture. Yes. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahweh for you, brethren, beloved of Yahweh, because Yahweh has fr from the beginning chosen mm -hmm. you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Right. See, that belief of the truth. Now, it might be some, well, I, could, I can believe the truth, but we really can't because we have, there's something indwelling that was within all of us, whether we want to think so or not, that was influencing us negatively that need to be taken out of the way. And it said that Yahweh hath from the beginning, from before time, chosen you to salvation. So there's nothing that takes our actions out of, out of the situation. Because before we even knew who we were, we were, or before anything was even conceived, See, this purpose was already, in a sense, finished, and it just had to manifest and be brought forth. And I know that's difficult for people to, and people grapple with that, but he's telling us not to be soon shaken in mind or be troubled because the day of, of Yahshua had come. So, read. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there shall come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Right. So that has to be the mystery of iniquity is going to be revealed. And he has been pointed out. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see the lies out there. Um, and it's harder for us to be deceived. If you have the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm not saying you can't make mistakes doctrinally. It happens. But as far as being deceived, it, it really should be an impossibility as far as the doctrine goes see if you have yashua in you he's the intercessor he's bringing all things to our remembrance so but the mystery of iniquity and um let's get uh just to lay a little foundation so we um, so because it says that he sits in the temple so if we need to understand that the tabernacle that was set up and you can see the tabernacle written over the bride here 
in this two mysteries chart. And there's one on the right that's the bride of the of the son of perdition or Satan. And that's pretty much where we all were when we came in the door. We were in darkness. We had no idea of the truth. And, you know, and you just can't work up on it. That's just, I'll just say that. It's just something that can't be worked up on no matter how much you study. And my testimony, I tried reading the Bible and it made no sense until I came to class and Yashua showed me what it was about. It was just very tedious and detailed and I got very little understanding of it. Um, and you can memorize the scriptures. I, I mean, every time there's a, a Bible category in Jeopardy, I always feel I should do better. But generally, someone does better than me. And, and, but they, and I can rest assured they don't know the truth. But yet they've memorized these facts mm-hmm. in, the, in the scriptures. So if there's something about the Beatitudes or something, they can answer that Jeopardy question, see? But it's not about memorization. It's about understanding the purpose and what's going on here. So in the, let's get 1 Corinthians to understand it about this dwelling, this tabernacle. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of Yahweh, and ye are not your own? Right. Ye are not your own. See, our body, or, or more specifically, like our soul, you know, because flesh and blood is not going to inherit the kingdom in that day when he's revealed from heaven. Mm-hmm. The, but the mystery of iniquity's job is to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called Yahweh or that is worshiped so that he as Yahweh sitteth in the temple. So if we understand what the temple is, then we can understand a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. where he wants to be. So he's not in the mm-hmm. sky. He's, he was right within us and he had to be taking out of the way um read verse seven in the scripture oh. Oh. in the scripture okay verse seven uh for the mystery of iniquity does already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way see he has to be taken out of the way yeah. and we can't get him out of the way on our own see we were made subject to that and let's get romans eight briefly Romans 8, 20, uh, 20, the creature was made subject to vanity. Romans 8, 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subjected the same in hope. See, see the the creature or that's our soul. And Mm -hmm. see, we were made subject to vanity or that mystery of iniquity. And it wasn't willingly. We didn't ask for this. It was imposed on us um, because he was cast down here. And let's go get over to Revelation, um, the 12th chapter, I think, where there's a war in heaven. See, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the see, see, Yahshua, he subjected us to the mystery of iniquity, but he also su- subjected us to hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of Yahweh. That's mm-hmm. the 21st verse of Romans 8. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. See, the creature itself, it's the, and we can't deliver ourselves any more than a baby can deliver itself out of a mother's womb. It has to have that proper attitude. There has to be a show of blood and water. And, you know, and that proper attitude is the head being down, being bowed and coming out. And that's going to be delivered from the bondage. And Yashua, that's what he's doing. He's delivering us from the bondage of corruption. See, that's what that mystery of iniquity. We were in, and we didn't even realize it. We had no idea. And that's keeping us because we think that, you know, you know, I like Dr. Kinley would say statements like Satan isn't fooling anyone running around because there's a lot of gun violence running around with a gun in his hand. So that kind of that kind of um, violence and evil, so to speak, not that it's it's obvious, it's obvious evil. It's not yes. the type of deception that you need to understand to learn about this, this, how the mystery of iniquity works much more, much more subtle, much more. Again, it's not like the movies, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, revelation 12 and seven. Well, yeah. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Mm. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Right. See, he was cast out. See, aren't we made of the dust of the earth? He was cast out. Boom. Like, like lightning falling. Mm. Right out of heaven. And there was war. That's past that. Right. A lot of a lot of people who study the Bible think Revelation is all in the future. There's some future things in there, but a lot of it is dealing with the past or things that have happened, confirming Moses' vision. You don't realize that John's vision and Moses' vision are confirming visions. One's looking forward, Moses, and one's looking backwards. Mm -hmm. And see, there was a war in heaven, and Michael fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and they prevailed not. Neither was there placed on anymore. So Satan's place wasn't, see, Satan, the, he didn't prevail. And he was cast down into the earth. So where did he end up? And can we have um, the pattern or plan chart to show the top where? Elementary? Yeah. See, and if you see like the tabernacle here, it's threefold. You have a most holy place, a holy place in a court roundabout. And the most holy place is in the top. So that's where, and not surprising, that's where our mind is, is in, would be in our most holy place. We have that, the, where the Garden of Eden is. The pattern and plan of salvation chart? Yes, yes. I think Greg is working on it. Okay. Um, and why don't one of the readers go over to uh, let's see Isaiah maybe fourteen? Yep, and Ezekiel twenty-eight. Yeah, read Isaiah fourteen and twelve. Isaiah fourteen twelve. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? 
he was cut down to the ground. Isn't that where a serpent is? Wasn't he called a, a, a subtle beast, more subtle than any beast of the field? Mm-hmm. And he was depicted as a serpent because of his nature. But we really found out that he was a beautiful, beautiful angel. Go ahead, Reed. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim. I will sit also upon the mount of congregation in the sides of the north or in the place of control. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Right. He will ascend above the heights of the cloud. And really, he wants to be in our cloud. We've yep. come to find out that through Romans 1, 19 and 20, that these physical things and the way our bodies made, that they point to things. And our cloud is like our brain is like a cloud. It's gray and white matter. And it's in our most holy place would be in the most holy place of the pattern. And no, <clears throat> no mystery. That's where Lucifer himself was cast down into the most holy place of the pattern. And then mm-hmm. from there, they were, they were Adam and Eve, Adam not being deceived, but Eve was, because Adam was a type of Yahshua. And see, that's where he's, he wants to be, in the side, in, he will exalt his throne above the stars of Elohim, and he will sit also upon, and that's also in the most holy place, mm-hmm. is where the mercy seat is. That was the throne of where Yahweh dwelt. See, he, Yahweh is going to commune there and that's where Yahweh is so that's where of course Satan wants to be in the place of control and the sides of the mm-hmm. north are like in my margin does say place in control so he's always going to want to be in control he's always going to want power he's right. always going to motivate be motivated by these things so the mystery of iniquity again it's it's something that was so deceptive and so subtle that we would never have seen him coming in a million years and he just opposes and exalted and that's just when we that's why the gospel seems so contrary to all of us when we came in to this teaching because it was so in opposition to you know to everything we had been taught we were taught there was a trinity we'll come to find out he's a unity um you know it's always the opposite usually too you know we, we were told that he came, Jesus came to, to institute. And well, right. what's the opposite? Well, Yahshua came to fulfill. See, it's going to be always in direct opposition to is what the mystery of iniquity, or what Yahshua is doing. The mystery of iniquity is going to always be in direct opposition. Mm-hmm. And that's one way you could find out. Um, where is the description? Is it Ezekiel? Yeah, 28, 12. 28. Or you can pick it up at one. Let's see. Let me get over there. Um, I'll pick it up in 11, I guess. Moreover, well, no, pick, pick it up. I'm sorry. Do because uh, there is an in the second verse there. Okay. Ezekiel 28, 1. I'm going to start at 1. The word of Yahweh came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am Elohim, I sit in the seat of Elohim, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not Elohim. Thou 
though thou hast set thine heart as the heart of Elohim. See, he's seeing the prince. This is Ezekiel seeing the prince of Tyrus, but he's not seeing the prince of Tyrus. He's seeing the mystery of iniquity and his purpose, and he sees that he wants to sit in the, the seat of God, it says. Well, mm -hmm. we know, again, in the, in the most holy place of the tabernacle, there's something called the mercy seat. And right. see, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be in those in control. And he was in control until, and see, if you, we don't have to get Job, but in Job, when he calls the, the, the sons of Yahweh together, Satan comes also among them. He's considered a son. He's a son of perdition, but he's considered mm -hmm. a son because he's part of the purpose. And he's an important part of the purpose. Mm -hmm. So and he's totally doing Yahweh's bidding in there. He's not, you know, and he talks about a hedge and Yahweh. See, he's, he's only in, has the amount of control that Yahweh allows him. And see, he doesn't have independent power or control over us until Yahweh takes him out of the way. So in our scripture, it said only he will let until he be taken out of the way. And Yahshua was the only one that could take him out of the way. By, by being, and that was why he had to come in and die and be buried and have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and minds of men. All right, let's, uh, over to verse 11. Ezekiel 28, 11. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Right, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Not, not the depictions we've seen in Hollywood of Satan. Right, and then he says, go ahead, read. Thou has been in Eden, the garden of Elohim. Well, wait a minute, was the Prince of Tyre? I got like 589 BC on this. Uh, the Garden of Eden goes back a little <laughs> bit further than that. So clearly he's not talking to the Prince of Tyre. We've come to find out that again, the, these two mysteries, it's, a, it's about the indwelling into a, into a human, into a soul to control the heart and mind. See, it's not really a battle because Yahweh doesn't have to battle the mystery of iniquity. So that's how it's depicted in Hollywood or out in the world or in Christianity, that there's a battle between good and evil. But it's not that we don't fight evil or we're against it, but Yahweh, there's, it's not a battle for Yahweh. He's in control. He's in control of both mysteries. See, so he, that was been in Eden, and we're going to get a description. And it's not like you think in Hollywood, read. The Garden of Elohim. Every precious stone was thy covering. <laughs> the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee, in the day that thou was created. In the day that thou was created. He was a created creature and he was designed to be beautiful. And again, who's <laughs> what's going to enamor a female? Even back, way back into the garden, the first day, is it going to be a snake or is it going to be diamonds and jewels? I'm going with the diamonds and jewels. <laughs> and see, but we had the snake. It was just the opposite. We didn't know where to look or what, what was up or what was down, what was right, what was wrong. But once the truth has been presented with witnesses and Yahshua, again, it's not an academic thing. It can be, or it starts out that way, but then it has to be put within you. You, you have to be converted into this. 
You have to be translated into the kingdom. And to be converted or translated is something that has to happen by Yahshua. So I want to, okay. Um, so we had all the stones, and it says, Thou was, uh, read down to 15. 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Right, he thou, has set so. That's because Yahweh's in control. Read. Thou was upon the holy mountain of Elohim. Thou was walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. Right. And then he was cast down and he was perfect. He's a perfect devil and he mm -hmm. does a good job. And we are no match for him. Mm -hmm. And see, so um, I was reading a transcript where Doc talked about how you have to be translated um, into the kingdom. Is that Colossians? Yes. Colossians 1? 11. Yes. 111. Mm -hmm. All right, can you pick that up? Yep. Colossians 1. I'm going to start at 11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. Right. So he has to make us meet, and that means qualified or fit or worthy so he has to make it he made us we didn't do it ourselves and there's an inheritance read who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son so we have to be delivered from the power of darkness you can't deliver yourself from it again any more than can a baby deliver itself no no so we have to be delivered. And Yahshua is the one that has to do it. Yes, we have to go to class. Yes, there's some studying involved. There, there are things we have to do, but we're not translating us into the kingdom of his. And he talked about how in previous ages, and if we just want to get a quick witness into some of these things, it doesn't say a lot. I know it's in Genesis where it talked about A lot of, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Enoch. So he talked about like two witnesses, one in the, in the law, and then one in the prop. One was Enoch, and one was Elijah. I think. That's right. But Genesis 5, and it's, it's only like a little tiny, it's hidden in there, like a little blurb. I think it's 5, read like 22 to 24. Yeah, Genesis 5 and 22. And Enoch walked with Yahweh Elohim after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Mm -hmm. And Enoch walked with Yahweh Elohim and he was not for Yahweh Elohim took him. Yeah. And Doc said in the, I don't have the transcript with me. It was one of the recent ones that came out and he said that when he, what he mean by took him was that he translated him. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have to see death how we see death. You know, and you have to be, and that's a witness. And it said in every age. And then, um, I don't know where it's in Kings, I believe, where Elijah, 
where he's talking about like the chariots of fire. He's like caught up. Second Kings. It might be two. Sounds. Yep. And verse eleven. Yeah. Yeah. You want it more than that? I don't know. Um, it, it mentions it. If you want to read just uh, two and one and then 11, it says the same kind of thing. But Okay, Second Kings 2 and 1. And it came to pass when Yahweh Elohim would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for Yahweh hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As Yahweh liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So right. they went this, down this, to you, Bethel. You could just go over to 11. Okay, verse Where's... 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Right, and that was the other example in the prophets, how he was, Elijah was what Doc called translated into the kingdom or back then into heaven. It says, mm -hmm. you know, still before Pentecost, there's still, these things happen. We have to keep the time frame and the dispensations and, and sort of like in mind but see even we have to be translated just like it says and read that in colossians again 113 who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son right and in other ways like it's to be converted and in matthew if you get 18 and 3 he talks about how you have to be converted Matthew, Any other reader, if you want to get Psalms 19. Matthew 18, verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. So you have to be converted and be like, again, to have that mm -hmm. nature of like a child where... Mm -hmm. You know, you just humble. You just want to understand, not mm -hmm. being proud. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I know everything, or I, you know, children just, oh, well, why, why, why this? <laughs> you know how they are with their questions, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they just curious, innocent, you know, little things that, you know, and that's how we we become because everything is, you know, Yahshua has to deconstruct us and tear out all the theories, concepts, and opinions down that were the mystery of iniquity, that he allowed the mystery of iniquity to collect in us. Mm -hmm. And they, they, he uses his tools of deception, whether it's Hollywood, um, your grandparents telling you stories about the Bible or religion or your pastor or your rabbi. I mean, there's so many avenues of deception from when we're at such a young age that... Mm -hmm really there's mm -hmm. it's like the cards are just stacked against you in the world you know that you can never come out of this darkness on your own right um psalm 19 yes yes thank you start at one 
Yeah. Verse sure. seven. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Reeve. No, I, okay. The heavens declare the glory of Yahweh, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Right. It in is, them hath he set a tab. There's that tabernacle mm -hmm. and the indwelling of the sun, or it's like a circuit. And Greg, do you yeah. have the do you have the um I don't know what dispensations on the bottom of the dispensations chart? There's like a little five minutes, Dr. Miller. Excuse me, okay, five minutes. Good. Yeah. Do you have like under, do you have the thing? Probably not like underneath where it shows. Cause in our, our chart, there's like a little. Oh, give me a second. It's a different chart. Yeah. It shows like the little, like the seasons and how like the sun works. Yeah. Sure. And see, it's just the witnesses he's shown in the physical creation that we want to go to. Yeah, there it is down to the left, how midnight is down where the court roundabout is. And then as you come up on, and it's also winter. And then as you come up on the right, like the high priest ascending, you have spring, you have the numbers three, six, nine, and then into the most holy place, you would have summer or 12 noon or midday. And the sun mm -hmm. is at the top. And it's just like Yahshua operating it being a, a the sun being a type of him, you know, operating in, in the tavern, the greater and more perfect tabernacle of the universe, but also in our tabernacles, we got that, which is where, you know, the mystery of iniquity did well. And we did, we want him to be taken out, you know, Yahshua takes him out and then the Holy spirit dwells with us and that he converts our soul. And that's what we're getting down to here. Um, read down to seven, then I'm done. Okay. Um, let's see. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. Right, right. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. Right. The so the law, and that's not talking about the Mosaic law. That is that mm -hmm. law of the spirit of life that's in Romans the eighth chapter that has made us free from the loss and the death. That's yes. the law of Yahshua, and it, and it will convert your soul. Mm -hmm. And with that, I will yield the floor and I'll praise it to Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Miller. And for our final speaker this evening, I'd like to call on the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Good evening, everyone. First of all, let's do a sound check. Can you hear all hear me okay? You're fine. Yes. Good. Okay, great. You know, this subject matter that was discussed tonight, to me, is vital information and extremely uh, thought-provoking to understand 
Yahweh's purpose and why he created a adversary. And you know, uh, there was a statement that Scott made that he was right about, that the war isn't between the devil and Yahweh. Uh, Dr. Kinley used to say this. He used to say that Satan is a liability to you, but he's an asset to me. And so we have to understand that Yahweh, when he created the devil, created the mystery of iniquity, that was an integral aspect of how he was going to make himself known to us. Because he has to create contrast. He has to create an adversary to show that he is salvation and to demonstrate his great love and kindness towards us. So the devil is playing his part. He's doing a marvelous job at it. And he will continue to the point where, until Yahshua takes him out, as we read in our scripture tonight, by the brightness of his coming. But I was thinking about the game plan of the mystery of iniquity. what he, How he is operating and what he's planning to do. Now, first of all, let's make one thing clear. The devil knows what's in the Bible. I did not say that he understands what he's reading, but he knows what's in the Bible. And he's read that Bible, and, and, and I could even say that to, for, to some uh, degree, the devil knows more of what's in the Bible better than we do. And we know there's a lot of ministers, a lot of clergy out there that can quote that Bible, you know, uh, and, and, and flaunt their... Uh, ability to show that they know what's in there. But that doesn't mean that they understand any aspects of it. And what the devil recognizes in the Bible it talks about, uh, Paul says, that if we keep our confidence steadfast unto the end, then we will be saved. And if we keep in memory the things that we've been taught, then we will be saved. And the bottom line is that the devil knows that by the very nature of the statement that we have to keep something uh, steadfast or confidence down to the end means that it's not going to be easy because we're being admonished to do that. Go over there for a minute, first of all, to 1 Corinthians 15, start at 1. First Corinthians, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Kev. First Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, now listen. unless you have believed in vain. Listen, now some people have an outstanding memory, and let me say this about that. When Paul admonished him to keep in memory, he was not talking about memorization. Now, I'll tell you this. I have come across in my many years of uh, seeing people come and go in this teaching. I have come across and ran into people that have left this teaching and sometimes haven't seen them for a good number of years and all of a sudden bump into them one day. And I was amazed that they 
brought up in conversation right back to when they left class the things that they were learning. And so those people have kept in memory what they heard, but it's not what Paul is referring to here when he says if you keep in memory. Now what he's talking about is that there's more to just remembering the information or retaining information. There has to be an application of the information. There has to be a uh, work of the, of the information taking place inside of you. And so what we have been taught and what we're coming to find out is that our faith in Yahshua is paramount to us remaining confident, steadfast in this gospel. Now, Yahshua says in the 24th chapter of Matthew, he talks about, he talks about over there in 24, uh, that uh, uh, if we endure, endure down before the end. He talked about how there's going to be a time of trouble since the world has not known. And he talks about enduring. And yes. so what I want you to realize in any kind of an endurance exercise, whether it be running or whatever, you are going to weaken and get tired. And you have to be able to, to reach down and motivate yourself and keep yourself on the path that you're on. Now, I'm thinking about this war thing that Scott talked about. Now, go over for a minute, if you would, to the Moses chart. I want to make a few points about what we have to bear in mind now as we approach the close of this age. Now, remember the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt from the hand of Pharaoh, who we know was the mystery of iniquity incarnated in that body. And Yahweh overcame Pharaoh right in the sight of the Israelites, Yahweh Elohim, and delivered them from his hand. And yet, when they went into the wilderness, and this is what Dr. Kinley said about that. He said that when Pharaoh chased the Israelites up there to the Red Sea, and Yahweh put a barricade between Israel and the Egyptians, and then delivered the children of Israel through that Red Sea, as you know, and then allowed Pharaoh to go into that Red Sea, then closed the sea on him and drowned him. Dr. Kinley said, he said, now I want you to know that water cannot drown a satanic spirit. And what he said was that those satanic spirits that were incarnated in that host of Egyptians were disembodied in that Red Sea. But the spirits rose on out of that Red Sea and followed the Israelites right into the wilderness and incarnated in the hearts and minds of those Israelites over there that we read about the many trials and tribulations that have occurred while they were in the wilderness, uprising against Moses on numerous occasions and uh, uh, murmuring against Yahweh himself. And we read that all in our law. So the mystery of iniquity, they had to fight a different kind of battle than the one that was fought in Egypt. In Egypt, it was literally Yahweh's power destroying 
the devil, and I think when you first come in this class and this teaching, you start giving it uh, some attention, and you see uh, and realize the power of the evidence and the witnesses that are being presented to you, that it just destroys anything you've ever heard out there in the world. Now, I think we know that this, class, this teaching is so far above Roman Catholicism, uh, uh, Pentecostalism, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, or Judaism. I mean, you heard the testimony today where Bruce got up, talked about uh, how he was never taught those things. And the reason why he wasn't taught them were uh, several, but one in particular, the things that you're learning down here, they don't know these things in the world. They know information. Yes, they knew the name was Yahweh. But they do not comprehend truthfully the purpose of why Yahweh chose that name and why he gave it to Moses at the time that he did and why he told them, this is my name forever unto all generations as a memorial. They don't know the purpose of that. So what I want you to see is that the battle in Egypt was different than the battle in the wilderness. Now the battle in the wilderness required discernment it wasn't any problem for discerning the mystery of iniquity in Egypt they were Egyptians were Israelites our forefathers are from this land of Canaan and our God is going to take us out of here and bring us back to the land that are of our forefathers that was pretty cut and dry and simple but in the wilderness now we have the mystery of iniquity incarnating right within other Israelites rising up and and listen uh, the, the, some of the rising ups, the most uh, 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 worst cases of rising up in the wilderness, were the Levites rising up against Moses. Mm -hmm. Right there in the priesthood, the mystery of iniquity incarnated and disguised himself as a righteous chosen individual because Levi was chosen to do the service of Yahweh in the tabernacle. And their inheritance was the service of the tabernacle. You know that. And yet they rose up against Moses there in the wilderness of Sinai. Now, what I want you to know is the battle there was much more insidious and more subtle than it was in the land of Egypt. Now that ought to tell you that once you come into this class and you really look, uh, 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 view all of the religions that you've had encountered that are now in your rear view mirrors. They're in your rear view. They're no threat to you anymore. There's not going to be a Catholic ringing my bell or a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon that's going to convince me to go back into the ignorance that I once came out of. It's just not going to happen. And we have the weapons to be able to overcome that very quickly. Because when they start talking to us, and you guys have all had this experience, if you had a Jehovah Witness ring your bell, they want to talk to you about Jehovah God, and right away you tell them, well, the name is Yahweh, and your own watchtower states that. Mm -hmm. Now, we also recognize that, uh, uh, that, that uh, there was no J in Hebrew, so it couldn't have been Jehovah, and that sort of thing. And they can't do nothing with that information. But this is what the Jehovah Witnesses said to me when I confronted them with this. Well, it really doesn't matter what you call him. Even the Jehovah Witnesses went to that same excuse that my priest went to when I went to see him and countless ministers that I've talked to over the years. Now that shows the 
level of ignorance of their understanding of the purpose of Yahweh. Now, that's easy stuff. It's in your rear view now. They're not going to be able to overpower the knowledge you've got here. Nobody, as Dr. Kinley once said, has ever successfully disputed or refuted this teaching out of the scriptures. And you know that. You know you can't argue against this. Now, what I want you to realize is what we have to have is the mystery of iniquity rising up right amongst our own ranks in order for the fight to continue. So Dr. Kinley, in 1975, got up in December, one of his two last classes that he came to before he passed away, and told us that somebody is going to rise up amongst you after I'm gone. That has primarily been raised up right in this teaching that's been around here for a long time and teach you something different than what I have taught you. He said, now I'm not kicking about it, meaning I'm not complaining, but I'm telling you so you're prepared to reject it. Now, if this doesn't fall on one individual, this admonition. It falls on more than one, just as in the wilderness there was more instances of the mystery of iniquity popping up in their 40-year tenure in the wilderness of Sinai. Now that mystery of iniquity is relentless. He is not going to grow weary or tired of pursuing you, persecuting you, and trying to pull you back into darkness. That's his job. He's the prince of darkness, but, but darkness cannot overcome light. Now, we're in that fight today. We're in the same fight today not to let the mystery of iniquity cause us to tire and give up and throw away our inheritance. And if you remember, there's instances not only that Yahshua talks about in his parables, but also in the Bible where the inheritance was stolen by these people that had demonic spirits in them, that were liars and murderers and thieves. And Yahshua talked about that same principle. And that's what the mystery of iniquity is trying to do. He's trying to steal your inheritance. And we're not ignorant of his devices. Now I want to show you one of the tactics the devil likes to use. I want you to go over for a minute to Daniel, the seventh chapter. And I want you to go to verse, let's see here. It's around 25, but I don't know if I want you to pick it up before that. I don't want to work with all that stuff there. Uh, this is talking about the mystery of iniquity. And it's talking about the kingdoms, and I don't want to get into all that. That's Rick's area right there to talk about the kingdom. Let's just start at 25, and you can read it for yourself. This is a reference to the mystery of iniquity here. Read. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the sons of the Most High. Now listen, he's going to wear you out, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to wear you out with his consistent trying to throw you off your game, so to speak. Not that this is the game, but that's just an expression. He's trying to throw you off the course you're on of staying confident and steadfast and faithful to the end. And so he's going to continuously throw at you one thing after the next to tire you. That is, and here's what he's ultimately trying to do. 
He's trying to get you to doubt this teaching, to doubt Yahweh's intentions for you, to doubt that Yahshua's going to save you. He uses doubt as one of his tools, ladies and gentlemen. And we're continuously going to be tried by that, the mystery of iniquity in that sense, to try to cause us to doubt. And so he's going to wear out the sons. Uh, I'll read that again, please. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the sons of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto his hand until a time and times in the dividing. Listen, in other words, Yahweh Elohim, or Yahweh's purpose, that, that uh, Yahweh Elohim give the devil a certain amount of power to perpetuate the mystery of iniquity. You know, the devil can't do anything without permission. A few weeks back, we worked with the book of Job, and we know that he had to get permission from Yahweh Elohim to do anything to Job. Now Yahweh Elohim, who is Yahweh operating in that incorporealization, is keeping the devil on a leash. Meaning that he's allowing him to go, and sometimes he lets the leash out a little bit further. But the point is the devil has to have a certain leeway in order to perpetuate the mystery of iniquity, to try all of us, so that Yahshua can show us that he is our savior, that he's our ch the champion of our souls, that he is the one that will get us through, that we can have confidence and faith in him to deliver us from the power of darkness and the power of the devil and his lies. Now, we know that the war is the truth versus the lie. That's the war. Always has been. And the devil has a way now, because, see, what Dr. Kinley talked about, how that he was raising up both mysteries, sitting right on a chair down here in this school. He let us know that the IDMR, the school that we belong to, had both mysteries attending classes and part uh, members of the IDMR. But remember this, that the Church of Yahshua, which is the assembly or the body of Yahshua with the congregants or members, there's no division and there's no lie and no mystery of iniquity being raised up in that body because it doesn't exist in there. Right. Now, what I want you to recognize is, though, that Yahweh has to allow this to happen for him to exercise not only that... What Really, what's happening is when you get the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit in you that is going to uh, uh, be made manifest in the overcoming of the mystery of iniquity. So that you know that Yahshua is in you and have a, a, a recognition of his kindness and his love for you that he will protect you and he will deliver you from everything that the devil can throw at you. Now, the mystery of iniquity definitely wants to wear you out. Now I want to go to Revelation 13.5. Revelation 13.5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against Yahweh to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle 
and them that dwell in heaven. Hang and on, what's... Okay, go ahead. And it was given unto him to make war with the sons. That's what I want, yep. And to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Now I'm just going to tell you like it is. Dr. Kinley told us, and he, he told me this in a conversation, he said it to others as well. He said that unless he cuts this thing short, there won't be any flesh saved. That even the elect would, would go down. But he's going to cut it short. He's not going to allow the devil to take it to the point where we're so wore out and beaten up that finally we just give in. Not going to happen. He's going to cut it short. Now we have to trust that that's what he's going to do. Because if you think it's bad the world tonight, don't, don't you uh, be naive and think it can't get worse. Because it will. The longer this thing goes on, the worse it's going to get. And here's what we have in the world. Now, now I remember when Doc once said this. He said, now people in class as well as people in the world hear what they want to hear and believe what they want to believe. Now, this is what we've got going on worldwide. People aren't necessarily accepting or believing something based on the proof or the evidence. It's because it's what they want to hear. It's what they want to believe. And what they have to do in order to do that, to believe those things, they have to ignore evidence or witnesses that speak to the contrary. And this is one of the devil's tools. And he's raising up in the world manifestationally showing that because it's already happened right in our ranks where people have thrown out the, tr the truth. They made the, the truth of Yahweh it's shipwrecked, as Paul said. You follow? And they have abandoned it. They're apostates. And they have to ignore all of the evidence that has been presented by the founder over the years that he taught us. And, and Because they can't dismiss it. They can't argue against it. They simply ignore it. Because they believe what they want to believe. Now let me tell you why that's not going to happen to you. Go to John, the 14th chapter. And I want you to pick up the conversation where Yash was talking about how he's going to send another comforter. John 14, I'm starting at 15. 15? Yep. Okay. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Read. Even the spirit of truth. Woo! Hang on. Woo! He said, even the spirit of truth. Yep. Well, we didn't. We, I know when I was in, before I was in class, I'm talking about. I didn't know there was a such thing as the spirit of truth. Well, I want you to know that the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Yahshua said, I am the truth. And, it's, and he says that right in this chapter. Now, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. That means the nature, the divine, if you want to call it that law of the spirit of life is cannot ignore or not love the truth it is in his nature to love the truth so what happens is when a person receives the holy spirit they have within them a heart now that yashua is giving them that causes them to love the truth 
based on Yahweh's evidence that he has supplied himself. Because remember, the greatest of the commandments is that you love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. Now that love of the Father, or of Yahweh, precedes the love of the brethren. Now since we know that Yahweh, it is impossible for him to lie, and that his very nature is contradictory to lying. It is not possible for him to lie, because lying does not at all have a place within his nature. So when you receive that divine nature, when you become a recipient of the divine nature, and it happens by the preaching of the gospel, and you are called according to the, the purpose, as Paul said, and that revelation is given unto you, and the heart to receive that revelation, that causes a love of the truth within you. Now, now uh, Bruce got up and talked about, he talked about philoprogenitiveness. Now, as he said, it's an instinctive love of offspring. Now, you don't have to work up on that when you, if anybody that's a parent knows that you love your children, it's just in you. It's just in you. You don't have to take courses on it. In fact, it causes us to put up with a lot of things from our kids that we wouldn't take from anybody else, but we know that because we love them, we can't abandon them. We know that. But what I want you to recognize is that that's just an automatic aspect of your own heart and nature from a natural standpoint to love your children. And it's powerful. We've always heard the example of uh, a mother that can't swim and her, her small child falls in the water and she jumps into the water to save the child at the peril of losing her own life without giving a thought or without hesitation. That's how powerful love is. Now, what I want to say is this, that when we get this spirit that is given to us by a gift from Yahweh Elohim, from Yahweh, who has purpose for us to receive it, and is also purpose for to have a heart to go along with that truth that will cause us to love the truth. Because we recognize the truth is Yahweh, and the truth is Yahshua. It's his divine nature. And we love him, so we love his nature. We love everything that we see, that we learn about him. It's so pure. It is so undefiled. It is so without, if, if you will, uh, uh, any kind of stain on it. Uh, there's no flaw to be found. It's just, uh, you know, divine kindness, divine mercy. Would not even uh, consider lying to you. It just does not in that mystery of righteousness. That's the law of the spirit of life. Now, when he told the apostles, I'll give you, I, will, I won't leave you comfortless, I will come unto you, and I will give you the spirit of truth. Now, without us receiving the spirit of truth, we're going to be just like everybody else in the world. And what is that? Whatever we want to believe, we will believe it, and ignore any evidence that contradicts it because it's not what we want to believe. And you have no idea how deep that goes. Because within ourselves, one, uh, one thing that Doc Kinley once said, and it's been, re it's been already spoken several times in different classes, he said, if you do these three things, you'll be saved. 
and I and he told me this sitting right on his couch in his living room. He said, if you're honest with Yahweh, honest with yourself, and honest with your fellow man. Well, most of us fear Yahweh, so we think whatever we're going to do or say to Yahweh, we're, because we, we're going to be honest with him. But here's where it really is a problem. We're dishonest within ourselves. We sometimes don't admit to ourselves our true motivations for things that we do and say. We make excuses and we justify ourselves. So if we feel justified because we say, well, I, I had to do that. You know, he, uh, he made me mad, so I had, to, I had to slap him because of it. Whatever it is. I'm just using a stupid example. We use that as justification, and then we want to believe that, so we accept that. So we'll go to Yahweh and say, well, he forced me to slap him. No. You follow? He forced me to do this, or you made me do it. Now, this I'm just using this as an example. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to look down in our own hearts and recognize this. What you did... Does it represent the divine nature that you've come to know of Yahshua the Messiah and your creator Yahweh? Would he have done that self-same thing? And if he wouldn't have, why? Why didn't he do it? Yahshua told us, if somebody slaps you on the, on, on, on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If somebody abuses you and they come to you and ask you for a, a sweater, give them your cloak also, he said. You follow? He told us how to love, how to love our enemies, and told us about uh, uh, that this is well-pleasing to Yahweh. That's over in Matthew, I believe, the fifth or seventh chapter. And what I want you to know is this. We excuse the operation or acting upon the divine nature that we've come to know by making excuses for our conduct and actions that are not becoming of Yahshua the Messiah. So you lie to yourself, so you then, believing your own lie, will lie to Yahweh and lie to your fellow man. And then your conscience is telling you that this isn't right, or that isn't right, or the other thing, and you sweep it under the carpet and ignore it. This is the kind of stuff we need the Holy Spirit to make us sensitive to, to allow us to face the truth about ourselves, to be humbled, and be able to accept correction or chastisement, and cause us to come to Yahshua in a bowed position asking for mercy and forgiveness. These are the things we need. Now the devil can't do nothing with that nature. The devil wants you to hate somebody because they did something bad to you. Or to get them back, or to pay them back, or whatever. We render evil for evil. These are the kind of things that the devil is perpetuating. The world is full of hate, ladies and gentlemen. We see it every day on the news. We see the heart and minds of these souls in the world that are incarnate with these demonic spirits that have been cast out of heaven that are full of hatred, that cannot see the truth. You understand? And they're in a tempest, as Peter talks about, tossed to and fro. And, and, there's, and, and they're children of darkness. We have to examine our own self to see whether we are in this faith or not, whether we measure the measure of Yahshua the Messiah, his divine nature. With us being brutally honest with ourselves 
it will allow us to accept correction and as it says in Hebrews the 12th chapter that no chastisement which is correction seemeth joyous but it's grievous thank you it's grievous nevertheless afterward it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby and I just want you to know that uh, we have to stay in the fight and this is what I'm going to say in my closing remarks when Israel got into the wilderness they gave into the false witnesses 12 of those spies went up into the land of Canaan 10 of them came back and said there's giants up there we can't defeat them and heck no we shouldn't go up there Joshua and Caleb said Yahweh has promised to deliver them into our hand he will overcome those enemies the people chose to believe the 10 spies over the two and therefore Yahweh disinherited them because they didn't want to believe in the promise that he gave them that he would bring them into that land of their forefathers and as we know in Hebrews it states that because they had an evil heart of unbelief they were disinherited and Paul admonishes in the fourth chapter that you uh, examine within yourself uh, 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 so that you don't come short of the promise you follow we have to want this salvation not just the salvation but what is about to be given to us here at the close of the age is an immortal glorified body and going into a state called the new heaven and new earth state in your Bible but a creation wherein the uh, uh, lies nothing but righteousness peace and joy and love amongst all of the brethren including the angels to one towards another where there is no lie there is no guile and, and, and we have to want that to the point where we're willing to sacrifice everything in this life to obtain it, to receive it. Don't lose sight of Yahweh's promise. And we read it every class. It's the tenth aim of the school. It's a promise that has not yet been fulfilled. We have the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. We have a hope of it. That means that that promise that he has given us is yet to be finished. And you've got to keep that in your mind. When the devil is trying to get you to give up, walk away from this teaching, don't take this from such and such in class. How many have I seen so many people over the years that say, I'm not going down to that class anymore because such and such didn't treat me good. Well, I got news for you. That's part of what is expected to you is to go down to class when you have been treated good and be able to be long-suffering, forbearing, and forgiving one another. That's part of the program, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just all thank Yahshua that he has kept us here because none of us did anything to be where we're at right now. And by his kindness, he's forgiven us many mistakes we've all made. And encouraging us to continue on and giving us as it were uh, his uh, knowledge and understanding is being poured out it's just unbelievable here at the close of this age and we are growing and we're going through hard times but we will come through on the other side and we will be caught up with Yahshua when he universally appears with the same glorified body that he has as his family 
I hope that made some sense. I'm sorry if anybody was confused by it or if I, anybody felt that I uh, insulted you. I apologize. It was not my intent. But I will not take back what I said because it's the truth. So with that, I'm going to turn it back to the moderator, say peace in Yashua and hallelujah to all the brethren. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Volpe. And that will conclude our class. Uh, I'd like to invite you all back here every Wednesday at 7. And we are also are uh, meeting in person on Saturday nights from 7 to 9 at the Bramley Library in Jordan, New York. When the class with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah.